0: Why, hello there, all of our amazing, wonderful, talented listeners. I don't know if you're talented. Are you guys talented? We're we are the are. talented ones. Fuck y'all being talented. You're listening to us because we're talented. You that We're trying to be talented? I don't know. This is Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. Today will be Man Bites Dog. But before we get there, we got to get to the get stoned part of it first. So let's get on our green hits. Danny, what was this one again? You told me
1: already in... No worries. All right, so over the weekend, I did get to go to Spokane, and I picked up a three-pack of some J's, some pre-rolleds. They're called Raven Smokes. This particular one is called PG Sledge. And just based off of the bottle that it's in, it says that this is a land race Thai, Jamaican and pre-'98 Bubba Kush with Master Kush in Lemon Nepalese. So with that being said, these are... A sativa strain blend. I smoked one Friday night before I went and seen Whitney Cummings, and I like think I told you I was high as shit. So it's good. It's definitely one of those heady ones. You'll be in your head a little bit, but I'm it's excited. A good high. Uh, hell yeah. Yeah, I got a couple other ones because I did hand you off two oh, other that's ones. Right. So before I came over, I stopped by a local dispensary flower here in town. And with that being said, I picked up two different strains, the first one being Gorilla Glue number four. And I think that's one we've brought on before, but for those who don't know, it is a hybrid strain. It's about a 60-40 split, 60% Indica, 40% Sativa. It's uh, created through crossing the infamous Chem Sister Sour Dub and Chocolate Diesel strains. The THC is really high on a lot of these strains. This one at the shop came in right at like 25 and a half. And if you decarb, it's like roughly like 22 and a half, which is still pretty high for THC. And the other strain I picked up is Skittles. That one's more of a nighttime strain. Reason being, because it's a 70% Indica and 30% Sativa hybrid mix. It is a cross of grape Ape and grapefruit strains. If you look at all bud, it shows like 13 to 15 percent on the THC. Mm. This one at flower comes in at 26.1 percent. So the flavors on this guy: berry, citrus, grape, grapefruit, sweet, and tropical. So it's going to have a nice little taste on it. I mean, because it's a nighttime strain, it's good for relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that.
0: Oh yeah, I also stopped in at flower, but I brought you a j of some hazmat OG. Which is a cross between Chemdog 91 and Face Off OG. Mostly Sativa. I think technically a hybrid, but it's one of those ones where it's you don't really count it as a hybrid because it's not close enough to the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. A little bit more herbal and citrusy, peppery. The terpenes for those flavors are what's found in it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people seem to also report a bit of a diesel taste.
1: Somewhat. I'm getting kind of an earthy, herbally taste.
0: So that's what I brought today. I didn't make a trip to Spokane, so I didn't Uh, come up with some sort of cool blend, but I am about to light up this cool blend, and we are going to have a good time. So I guess now that we're getting our green hits out of the way, let's get on to the Guts and Bolts of Man Bites Dog. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, Man Bites Dog. It's the section, spoiler-free, who and what went into this movie. Start off with a spoiler-free setup for you all. Man Bites Dog. Okay, spoiler-free setup. First, we'll get this out of the way. This is another one of those ones where it's going to kind of depend on who you talk to, whether it's even classified as horror. That's a good point. It is definitely a disturbing black comedy, though, with a few scenes that I think are right
1: up our alley. Yeah, considering the material we've covered, for sure.
0: So a spoiler-free setup for this movie is a documentary film crew follows a serial killer around in kind of his everyday life.
1: Yeah, without spoiling anything. That's what you get. That's it, right? Like we're done here, that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, essentially, right? All right. So from week to week, of course, we do like to talk about the people who going to making the film and the actors and actresses in front of the cameras. And this week we have a trio of gentlemen who have numerous credits on this film major reason being is because at the time they were all cinema students and so this was like one of their projects I didn't know this was done as a project yeah, okay it's really cool so with that being said I'm gonna start off with Remy Belvo, then we have Andre Bonzel and Benoit Polvoort and they were all part of a short film they did together prior to Man Bites Dog and that is Pas de C'est Four pour Daniel Daniel and once again the writers on this now the story was written by Remy with the help of Andre Bonzel and Benoit, of course. And Benoit actually went on to write some screenplays for such films as Doors of Glory, Jelaine Lambert's Bicycle, and the gentleman Vincent Tevier. He helped with the films Alleluia and Adoration. Now, you were saying off-air that Benoit has actually worked with the director. His last couple film projects have been with the director of Calvair. And it makes sense because I think the connection might be the Alleluia. Mm. I'm almost certain that's what it is. All right, cinematographer on this is André Bonzel. The other film that he has of note as far as DP is the film Tigers in the City. The editors were Remy Belvo and Eric Dardil. Music was composed by Jean-Marc Chenot, and he helped on the short film I had mentioned earlier, along with Laurence Dufresne and Philippe Marlampre, Now, uh, Philippe has helped with such films as Cannibal. That is not the infamous Cannibal from Unearthed Films, unfortunately. Oh, it's the other one. Okay. Right. And the short film, A Fistful of Drool. The special effects were done by Olivier de Lavelier, and he was known for such films as Mr. Nobody, The Loft, The Danish Girl, and Vivarium. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Some really interesting films. And the production company was Les Artistes Anonymi, Distributors were Acteurs Auteurs Associés and they were known as AAA but they helped with the 1992 French theatrical release. It had a premiere date in May of 1992 at the Cannes Film Festival. It had a budget it was like uh, this is Belgian francs. It was 1 million but it translates over to about $33,000 United States. In the box office it had a $205,000 pull. So not too bad considering its budget. The tagline is a killer comedy. Okay, yeah. All right, so moving into the cast, I've already mentioned three of the guys because they do act in this, but our lead is Benoit Pulver, who plays Ben, coincidentally enough. Some other films of note from him are the films Podium, Romantics Anonymous, and The Brand New Testament. Like I said, he's a really well-known French and Belgian actor, so there's a lot of credits I'm not even going to try to attempt. All right. <laughs> we have Valérie Parent. She plays a role of Valérie. This is really her only credit to date. We have Remy Balveau. He plays the reporter. André Bonzel, he's one of the cameramen. We have Jean-Marc Chenot. He plays Patrick. He was one of the sound men. We have Hélène Opetzi. He plays Franco, the other sound man. We have Vincent Tavier. He plays Vincent, who is sound man number three. And last but not least, I have Edith Lemerdi, She plays the nurse. She was in a really interesting film. Actually, three of them, but two I do know of. One I have seen one I've already mentioned, but those films are La Vie en Rose, which oh, is about Edith P.F., sure. really okay. cool film. She's also in an Alleluia and an officer and a spy. Hmm. All right, so with that being said, there's a lot of other people I haven't mentioned. What's interesting about this film, this is a little bit of trivia, but since we're in the credits, this makes sense too, is that the people who play Ben's family are actually his real family members. And we'll get into some interesting stories about that later on. So anyhow, that's our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. should give you some major warnings heading into this film. Okay, we've said dark
0: comedy a couple times. This is dark comedy to the point where if you go look up people's reviews on this, I noticed a common theme where they were like, it starts funny and then it gets grim. And I'm like, oh no, you guys, it never stops being funny. I totally agree with that.
1: (laughs) It's always funny.
0: But that's the kind of dark comedy you're getting, where you have a lot of audience that thinks that this just devolves into a pure horror movie or dark something, because it's not quite horror either.
1: But Just in
0: nature. Yeah. So, language, violence. Yeah. yeah. Lots of violence. There's lots of on-screen killings.
1: Yeah, there's two big nasties in this, considering the subject matter.
0: There's
1: uh, a gang rape. Yeah, there is. That's one of them. And the second one, I would say there's an, a child death. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And well, okay. Most of the violence is very quick. There is some blood and stuff, but most of it is over and done. Exactly. Uh, really there is one big gore scene.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there is.
0: That looks real gnarly.
1: No, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah,
0: you're right. Real gnar gnar. And some nudity.
1: Are you going to see some old Ronald dicks in this one? Yeah, not as many as they hint at, though. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is funny. Still not as many as uh rare exports, man. Yeah. That shit's still still balling. not
0: as many as the Christmas movie. No, <laughs> one day so much dick, <laughs> so much dick. I think that's it. We covered like the main things, right? It's a dark comedy, but don't be fooled. Like, know that you're going for truly dark comedy. Yeah, it's also arty. There we yeah, go.
1: Cinema school students.
0: Yeah, so it's like some of the artiest shit that you can imagine. <laughs> while while not being real art, because they're still school students. Exactly. Anyway. Not real that sounded real dismissive. I like this movie. We'll get into it. Let's find out how it made us squeal.
1: How does that make you squeal?
0: You know, usually when I bite a dog, it's a fucking hot dog. Usually. Yeah. I mean,
1: whether it's kosher, <laughs> whether it's not, you know, what have you. So
0: I'm glad we finally got to this movie in a way like not that we've talked about it a lot, but it's definitely one that always when we're wanting to try to figure out what movie we're going to do next. And we're turning to all these different ways of trying to figure it out, whether it's like scrolling through what they have on Netflix or what they have on Amazon or just like looking up fucking listicles and being like, what haven't we done out of these things that people have talked about? Like. This one
1: shows up a bit and we just had never did it. It's a good point. It's one of those <clears> films that if you're really 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 into horror, you know, like you want to see some of the more infamous films, I suppose, in the genre. This one does make the list quite a bit, you know, because of its content. And of course, we're going to get a little bit more in depth about its impact in the genre and what have you. But it is one During a time period where I was looking at, you know, like hardcore films, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. what have you, and this one came up on the list, and this was during the time period where Netflix would send you out copies of DVDs, and so I rented this one. I remember watching it, but I didn't really pay attention to it the way that it deserved at the time, and so there was a lot of shit I'd forgotten upon second, third view, so –
0: yeah, I'd never actually
1: watched it before. I just been I'd heard of it. I knew it was in the fucking Criterion collection. Yeah, what's wild is this was one that I watched around the same time that I watched a Serbian film. Oh, okay. Yeah, and <clears throat> SVD. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there was a bunch of shit I was like really getting into around that time period.
0: So into the horror of it. That's the other that when you start searching around for this movie, it makes a shit ton of horror lists. Everywhere you go, it's black comedy, crime thriller, or mockumentary you know well you have to throw in mockumentary because no, that's the,
1: i mean that's essentially what this is
0: yeah but it's always like crime drama <laughs> yeah dark comedy and almost never actually listed as a horror except on all these horror websites listicles <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah no you're right but like if henry's a horror movie and if house that jack Built's a horror movie this is a fucking horror movie Because I think this is extremely close to being both of those movies. Right.
1: It borders like the visceral Mm -hmm. response that you get out of the actions that you see and what have you. You know, similar to like what you were already mentioning with Henry and some of the other films we've already talked about.
0: This reminded me a lot of Henry and how Henry obviously isn't played as a mockumentary. No, but... But it's a couple weeks in the life of a serial killer who seems to just be going about his business with little to no repercussions.
1: Yeah, he doesn't really give a fuck. <laughs> Complete with filmed home invasion rape. There's some interesting parallels, without a doubt. Not only to that film, but I want to mention a few a little bit later on too mm-hmm. that it reminded me of, and maybe the other films are me of, I should say, of this film. So, yeah, this is an interesting one because it's also considered, even though there's examples prior to this film, Cannibal Holocaust is probably a good example of it. But it's one of those that's considered a godfather of the found footage oh. subgenre.
0: That's a hard one for this though, because it's implied in this that it's found footage. Right. But there's yeah, nothing right. in it that states no. in any way. No, no, that no. It's found it does not footage.
1: make a proclamation. It's just you have to use your imagination a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> to even go to those links, I suppose. But it's it may be intimated, added a little bit, if you read into it. But Regardless, it does have to be mentioned because it's a little side note. I can't argue against it because I know how this movie ends, but
0: I also don't necessarily consider this a found footage movie.
1: I don't either. I'm more in the camp of like, yeah, I would put a little bit more stock in it being a mockumentary. Yeah. It's one of those weird technicalities, though, right? Like, precisely what that is. Well, it's
0: like, I was if getting. You ahead.
1: have to define it, define it. Yeah. Yeah this I, I is, is going to be this is going to be a weird
0: comparison but it's like a hot dog I brought i mean, here we go hot dog right mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm bringing it back around this is actually <laughs> going to make sense that I go. yeah a hot dog by any reasonable definition of a sandwich is a sandwich but it's such a specific kind of sandwich that you sound stupid calling it a sandwich rather than a hot
1: dog That's true What else would you call it a wiener sandwich <laughs> <laughs> No thanks I'm calling it a hot dog <laughs> I'll let you guys have that one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, thanks. (laughs) But that's a good point. Cock meat sandwich. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Extra mayo. (laughs) Makes me sick thinking about it. But what I found interesting too is what the three gentlemen had to say about this film in general. Right. Okay. And without delving into the film, I'll just go ahead and say it because we are in this, you know, this this Mm -hmm. section where we talk about these kind of things. But they said at the time, because they didn't have any money to make a film, they kind of chose the genre because it is essentially what they're doing anyway. It's trying to make a film without having money trying to make a film. Right. And in their case, there's like, we have to introduce a character. We could have chose any subject. It would have had pretty much the same kind of overall theme. But they chose to go with a Killer, who also helps finance the film, so he becomes a producer – of the film. So, it was a critique of French media and sensationalism. Even the name man bites dog, it's a aphorism to journalism. Mm-hmm. It's about how extraordinary story, like in this case man bites dog, how it receives more media coverage than a story that has the same kind of outcome, dog bites man. Right. But because it's an everyday mm-hmm. thing, It doesn't get quite the coverage, even though the outcomes are essentially the same. (laughs) I didn't look up the phrase.
0: I kind of was just like, I like the French title for the movie more. It happened near your home.
1: Right. So the French is, c'est arrivé près du chez
0: Now knowing the phrase man bites dog and what, you know, I knew it was a phrase, but I didn't look it up. Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? In the case of this film, it makes sense that it happened in your neighborhood, considering the subject matter, who we're watching- Etc.
0: Well, and just that, what this was would have been filmed in ninety one,
1: probably ninety yeah ninety ninety
0: one, depending on how long it took them to make this. On the fact Solid that they, had, they were doing a shoestring budget yeah. and yeah, about
1: well, like thirty three thousand dollars. Thirty three thousand dollars that's not much at all. That's yeah, chump change.
0: That's just a little bit more than Clerks in almost the same time period.
1: Easy, but it shows if you have the vision. Mm-hmm. Oh, so with the that budget, with
0: yeah. the with that title though, it just reminded me of like sensationalistic-based made-for-TV crime documentaries. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Or maybe not the names of them themselves, but the way that they would be sold on TV with commercials.
1: Right. It elicits a certain imagery. It conjures a certain emotion, maybe. Come hear the tale of this serial killer. Yeah. Remember, it could have
0: happened near you. Yeah, exactly. Could have happened
1: in your neighborhood.
0: So, that like, that's what the French title did for me. But now, yeah. here's the thing. Now knowing, like, the man bites dog and, like, the way that it's meant to just grab your attention and shit, and also partially because of Benoit's big speech partway through the movie, oh, yeah. my first fucking note for this movie is all of these killings are stories. Some just need better hooks.
1: Yeah. Everyone has a tell. There's a lot of them. <laughs> There's a shit ton of them. And that's also kind of the,
0: like, when I say this film is arty, it's in the sense that it's making a statement and it's pointing a finger. Absolutely. And so that's part of the finger pointing is like, you don't care. You just gloss over it unless the story has a hook.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise it's just fodder.
0: Otherwise it's just something else and you're watching it and it's. Yeah. Turn the channel. All of the popular entertainment Especially during that time period.
1: But oh, man.
0: to this day, most popular entertainment TV shows are based on some sort of violence continually happening to somebody.
1: I agree with that. All you have to do once is once you get go back. out
0: of the realm of sitcoms anyway, and yeah. even then I think you could probably argue that some of them are based on at least emotional violence happening on a certain level over and over again.
1: What I find interesting too is not only in um, sitcom shows, etc. But you could see it in like daytime talk shows with certain guests, kind of like the advent of reality TV as well. So Mm -hmm. you're getting these interesting glimpses, this voyeuristic view Mm -hmm. into this otherwise world you'd have no clue about, you know? And so, yeah,
0: so the whole movie seems to be going like, unless the story has a hook, you just gloss over it. If it has a hook, then it becomes entertainment for you. And it's not real
1: unless it's in your own life. That's absolutely true, man. I'm gonna sound like a fucking idiot a little bit here, but it reminds me a little bit of some Tool lyrics where they talk about this kind of stuff. You know, it's you were living vicariously through other people. You know, it's entertaining until it happens to you. Mm-hmm. You know, until it affects <clears> you personally. So that's kind of what this film is. You know, pointing the finger at and it, like you were said with the hook. If it hooks you, it's it's entertaining.
0: Yeah. If there's a story there, even though it's this tragic circumstance. Morbid, yeah. It just becomes a form of entertainment
1: for you. No doubt. It doesn't necessarily make you happy. No, 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 no. I think it's an interesting topic, subject matter to talk about in this context, like Mm -hmm. gaining a form of entertainment off of somebody else's suffering. And, but I think there's still knowledge to be gleaned from that kind of stuff, whether it's psychological, behavioral, et cetera. You know, it's just unfortunate. It's just, it's life in general, you know? Okay.
0: So here's another movie comparison. This is the more straightforward version of Ichi the Killer.
1: Oh, man. Yep. That also
0: has a lot of critique on depictions of violence in
1: media. Solid point, man. Since we're on this topic a bit, it does remind me of a more extreme version of Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon.
0: Absolutely. I, yeah, 100% agree with that. Especially because they both even shared the mockumentary bit to it. Behind the Mask is just a lot more specific Yes. As well as being...
1: With the slasher motif and what have you. And yeah.
0: just lighter in tone. I agree. Like, it is a <laughs> mockumentary. It turns into a horror movie. Yeah. Which you could argue, if you already want to argue that this isn't a horror movie, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Technically, that argument's there. There's a lot of people that don't consider it to be so. That's
1: okay. It's but objective.
0: Leslie Vernon does turn into a horror comedy, but the comedy's always there. Totally agree. This is always a dark comedy. Oh, yeah, it, it makes, just no, gets
1: makes no bones about it.
0: Darker and darker as it goes on.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're right. The, the comedy never ceases in this no. film. It doesn't let up. So
0: when we're saying this, though, we're not saying that every scene is comedic.
1: No, 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 no. You have to make it's it It's just they shape. never
0: stop making jokes through it. There's not a point where after this point in the movie, there's no more funny scenes. Right,
1: And that's another one of those terms. Like when people say scary, it's very subjective. I think with comedy. It might not be funny to you or in the moment, but it's comedy. It's funny. It's dark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a (laughs) byproduct.
0: Beyond the finger pointing for what violence means to the everyday person, it did seem like there were some other, like, maybe if not messages, but, like, pointing out of social strata and stuff going on, too. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, like socioeconomic stuff. For instance, there's a pretty obvious scene where I think there are in, like, the projects, it's at night, and they bump into a security guard of color, and he offs them, and he makes the comment of, like, why would they do this, hire this guy at night, etc." And then he goes on this, well, <laughs> you know, all these different ethnic groups.
0: That's really funny. I was thinking, like, one of the earliest examples I can think of in the movie is, so the, the main character of Benny, Benoit, he's always so close to, like, touching on what's really going on. But then he focuses on the wrong part of it and he's so self-confident and just like a giant fucking narcissist.
1: Oh, without a doubt.
0: Like there's no way you could ever persuade him that even though he's so close on some of this shit, like he points out, I've never seen an old popper.
1: And he gives you an example of it. So but he doesn't
0: realize why you don't see old poppers. Like he doesn't take that extra step to realize like, cause they fucking die.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's what happens.
0: He just knows, I've never seen an old popper.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a and solid point. And that's what point. you
0: see, recog- like, that's the recognition you see flash on his face. Is like, this is all that matters to me.
1: Right, because it pertains directly to him. Mm-hmm. That's all he's worried about. That's that part of the narcissism, which is very apathetic. Yeah, doesn't give a fuck. Which I think that's also...
0: Oh, no, it's the playing with the gun with the kids that leads into that first gunshot montage. Those gunshot montages, every time they happen, or the killing montages, every time they happen in this movie, are fucking genius.
1: See, the second time through is where I picked up, man, because I was kind of tuning in and out my first view. Mm -hmm. But the second time through, I caught where he was mentioning that, where he said he starts off the month by picking off a postman. Right. Mainly because that gives him access to people's addresses, old people. And he says, you know, go after the pensions, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and so you're right. Then he has an interaction with the kids, which makes a lot more sense now in context that he has the postman's gear on and asking the kids what, are in school, yeah, and whatever. First time through, I was like, what the fuck is he messing with these kids for? <laughs> fuck that gunshot montage is
0: so fucking it's good, cool.
1: solid. Some
0: of the effects look really good too, man. For film students,
1: they did a really good job. Period.
0: Over the course of watching all these fucking movies for this podcast, we have seen a lot of gunshot hits that don't look that good. I agree.
1: A I lot know. of gunshot hits that you. don't look that
0: good on multi, multi-million dollar movies. Totally agree. I don't know how they pulled it off, but they fucking killed it. Tension into detail.
1: That's for sure. But yeah, they did a great job. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then like you brought up part of it, but they just go hard on trying to make him one of the most unlikable characters for a bit.
1: Because
0: at the pub, you find out that he's definitely has a lot of problems with women and a
1: lot of internalized
0: misogyny with his door metaphor.
1: Yo, that's a good point. I wrote some of that stuff down too. like, I think the first sign for me and it's a theme, I think for the most part. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's playing on too of like the mother issues because mm. it's it's intimated when they're having the interview with the mom at the shop. And she's like, you know, when he was young, Benoit, that is, he was so joyful. He's laughing a lot. And then they didn't say when exactly, but the arguments, they were like cats and dogs. And it's like, oh, that could be the start of that, you know, Mm -hmm. breaking away from the innocence to more of the misogynistic aspect of it and what have you. And his problems with women and relationships and planting seeds or getting out, as he puts it.
0: Oh, the planting seeds metaphor, though, was also really weird because I'm pretty sure that that implied that he's definitely raped at least one of his past
1: girlfriends. (laughs) You would think so. I mean, if that's not really... All right, i put it this way. If the scene later on in the film, when they have the, you know... Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll talk about it. You could say then, yeah, he probably has previous experience with this. It's kind of intimated at that.
0: Right. But I think even just within, like his relationship. Right, like he's like, right. Not
1: even his victims. You're right. It could be... Because uh, it seems like um, Valerie, who I know we haven't really talked about, she's in kind of a submissive role in that relationship.
0: I honestly, the first time through, I was not paying very good attention and I did not realize like how fucked up he had her. Also, hats off to her because she played that amazing. Yeah, she
1: did a great job. She really did. Uh, the thing, I think, starting off is how he acts around her because you, you were introduced at this like art gallery Mm -hmm. and he's talking about all these artists and what have you. And he seems very confident in what he says and he doesn't give her a chance to say anything. And then the next thing you see is them playing a piece together. Of course it's not real, but he's correcting her because she misses a note. And then you see little things like that throughout the film when Mm -hmm. they have their interactions together. Let's see. After the pub is when we meet Jenny. Mm -hmm. We So he still
0: fucks Jenny, Right. You would think, right? Like you would think he talks about again, the bed and the tans, and it's never outright said, but you would think
1: there's some affection there.
0: She seems to be like his mother figure, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point.
0: Which is part why it bugs him so much when she calls him sir at the
1: end. There's also a part in that first interaction, or the first bit that we see from her, is where she receives a phone call and she says she's still working, right? That would make sense. So, yeah, I think that's a good point, man. She's a mother figure. She's probably a sex worker. They still have a relationship. It's mutual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though they don't say it outright, but yeah. All
0: right. So you already brought up the Black Knight Watchmen. And that's when you're like, oh, so not only is this guy misogynist, he's racist.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like there's like which nationalism then, spewed in mm-hmm. that, which lends right back to that kind of
0: sentiment. But once again, he's touching on these social things and getting so close, but he has his own fucking narcissistic Uh, fucked up lens on it that he can't get around. It's like they're using him as a night watchman because he's black. So it's hard to see him, which is ridiculous to even fucking say
1: out loud. It really is. Like, you don't want to be the person saying that and getting caught saying it.
0: But he's not catching that, like, it's a dangerous job that most people don't want to do, so this black guy's doing it to make ends meet. Exactly.
1: And that's where that socioeconomic part of it, he's seeing it from his lens, and that's it. He's not seeing it from the other side of the equation.
0: Which then is only reinforced with the next scene when he goes on that long spiel about the design of low-income housing.
1: Yeah, he has a vision of it. He likens it to the Japanese aesthetic and he mentions Frank Lloyd Wright and you know, but then he points out, he does make a good point though with the color schemes. Why would they choose red? Well, that's the part where I'm like, you're getting to the right
0: parts of where like (laughs) these politicians are like, okay, not all low income housing falls into this case, especially in these bigger cities in the regions that these guys are talking about. Oftentimes there's ways to grift those kind of deals. So that the politicians are simply lining their fucking pockets off oh, yeah. it while selling it off to the public as some sort of good when it really wasn't. Yeah. That's definitely. not every instance of low income housing. Low income housing just simply has to exist because some people don't have high income. Precisely, man.
1: It's just what it is. But
0: he's like, they're telegraphing it through the bricks.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> like, yeah, you're so close. Just- you're right, you're right, because of his distorted view of the entire picture, not just the little frame or lens he's looking through. That's a good point. Yeah, he just just missed, just barely missing the point without throwing in all that extra shit. He's like, <laughs> and they're just laughing
0: at you because of the bricks, and it's the color of Indians and the color of
1: well, blood. Like, yeah, and you're like, okay. phew, buddy, you're close. <laughs> I think the second time through, it gave me a better appreciation of how they're setting up the dynamic, the relationship between Benoit and the camera crew. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, there's this distance, right? They are involved because they're documenting him, but there's still this distance between their interactions. But that's where I liked how the more and more they followed him, the more and more they became involved. And there does come a point where I think, I don't know if it's a metaphor or maybe it's just a way of giving you this uh, this cue, With the pigeons. Like, Mm -hmm. at first I was like, oh, they're doves. Maybe this signifies, like, the inverse of peace or serenity. It's like, no, this is, like, a warning sign that there's danger ahead. It starts off with pairs and then it's down to the single. Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay, that's kind of interesting.
0: His spiel on the fucking low-income housing was super long that I couldn't point to anything specific. With all the things he was saying in there... It ended up feeling hypocritical to me that he then ended up scaring the old lady to death to save a bullet.
1: he being cheap. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, no. Granted, if I were a killer, which I am not, but if I were, it would make sense in a killer's right. mindset.
0: But after he spent 10 minutes- Yeah, rambling. <laughs> yeah. I was like, weren't you just- Like, weren't you just going off about... Yes, he was. um, (laughs) Low-income housing done specifically for use and not for aesthetic? And then you did this to save money simply for use and not your normal aesthetic?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's already been established he knows how to use a gun.
0: And that's his preferred...
1: It seems like it, maybe.
0: Also, look, I dug this fucking movie, but... Serial killers that use guns are the least interesting kind of serial killer that I can think of. (laughs) That's a bitch move. (laughs) Come on, Anybody
1: can do that. Like. Be creative.
0: Serial killers are interesting for multiple reasons to people. I don't think one of those reasons are the quickest form of killing that most people can easily get to.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're going to play that game, you can, like, throw in bombs and other shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Hello. But that's, that's not the point. That's not, and I'm not advocating for this either.
0: But look, look, the fact that we're having this conversation right now is kind of the, it's entertainment until it happens close to us, right? No, no, without
1: a doubt. Like, at that point, I'm like, you know what? Well, um, like,
0: this movie just nailed us. It just pointed the finger at us because...
1: No doubt. I mean, that's exactly what it's doing. Exactly. It's our own form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. But seriously, bitch move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The whole point is we shouldn't have serial killers, but we don't live in that (laughs) kind of world. Right. Okay. (laughs) So when he's
0: examining the old woman's place, (laughs) when his hand got to the wardrobe and he's like, look, this is where the jewels are going to be. And then he ended up hearing that shit and going and checking it out. I didn't know he heard something at first, right? Like his hand stopped and his face got all excited. And I'm like, Oh my God, he didn't find jewels. He found a dildo. I was going to say
1: either that or a butt plug. (laughs) Yeah. Regardless, it was a sex toy.
0: I was really hoping that he was going to pull a fucking sex toy out oh, from that behind that
1: wardrobe. Fucking hilarious. I was That's so ready old to
0: just fucking die laughing.
1: 16-inch. Real <laughs> veiny.
0: But what the fuck was it that he heard? Like, I don't even remember after No, he went like, to go,
1: like, check out the window for whatever reason. And then it pulls from that, and then they're down in the street because they've collected their ransom their not ransom but their oh, booty you know that's right. and what now what this this is where i think the shift happens this is how he's kind of pulling them in is where he's like hey you know we just scored this loot let me get you guys some muscles to our drive and the guys are like now we have other responsibilities and so they're making not necessarily excuses but they're like but then he pulls them in
0: well yeah They know what he's about, so it's scary for him.
1: Oh, yeah. Because,
0: well, well, the the thing I noticed the second time through is that one of the first things he's done, he's like, oh, the old lady wet my appetite. And then he's like, let's go for seafood dinner. (laughs) Damn. And so no wonder they're like, he just referred to her as food, and now he wants to go out with us to eat two hours away.
1: You would think... When no, he dumps you bodies might, in water you might and he wants to that, go seaside. So yeah, you might be a part of that course he's wet for. And then
0: when he walks away, they're like, no, we'll give you a ride. And he's like, no, nah, I'm I'm going to walk. It's yeah, good it for my appetite.
1: appetite.
0: Yeah, like, And like, that's uh, when they're like, oh, shit, we better go.
1: Yeah, because he might be doing some more killing <laughs> without us. <laughs> or he might start planning us. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So they're keeping... At this point, what you could assume might be an enemy close.
0: I thought that was a really well-written scene. No. That's fucking great. It's brilliant.
1: It's brilliant because it shows, too, the narcissism and the manipulation aspect of it. He's manipulating them even though he's kind of playing up the sympathy like, oh, man, all right, I guess we'll just, I'll see you guys tomorrow. (laughs) No, you don't have to go with me. I'll just walk. Yeah, it was like, this dude's a serial killer, man. (laughs) like now we'll see you tomorrow bro (laughs) maybe eventually though this movie takes a weird
0: turn though well when the crew dies when when the first guy dies
1: right because what happens is i think after the whole dinner scene and uh we get the introduction to valerie it cuts to them chasing a dude in a car it just it's quick they jump in the taxi they're right after a car you see him shoot the car Mm -hmm. shoot the taxi or the cab driver And then it's like, oh, this guy went, it looks like this big stack. And then go in there. And that's, yeah. Some of the comedy that comes in is the narcissistic bit with his, his, I'm doing air quotes here, communion bracelet that he had to steal from a kid that had the same name as him. Oh, right. He said that my dad bought. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? So that's what starts that. Like, they're really supposed to be looking for the fucking guy who ran off. Mm -hmm. But now they're looking for his bracelet. Then they get up to a part where he's commenting about those pigeons or whatever. And then one of the guys gets picked off because the dude's up there shooting. And this is where he's starting to get them more involved because he's like, hey, don't you have a zoom lens? He's like,
0: yeah, check him out up
1: there. And yeah. And then, you know, he, he gets the guy and now they're becoming involved. But it Also, this
0: is where it takes a weirder turn if you're paying attention to the particulars of this movie because you get the talking head on the camera guy or whatever. Remy.
1: Yeah, it's Remy who does... He's like the blonde.
0: And he points out that this death is an occupational hazard. And you're like, what the fuck? Okay, I guess for documentarians you might get killed. But then it's backed up later in the movie when you see the other film crew.
1: I know, it's crazy.
0: And that's where it really like blows open the message and you're like, oh, media. It's not just
1: one. All right. (laughs) Did you catch... I mean, it's... It's kind of obvious, but if not, it seems that Remy's upset because the first sound guy, his name is Patrick. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about Patrick, and he's like, he would want us to continue on, so we're going to dedicate it to him and his unborn child he had with. Oh, my,
0: dude, fucking, yes.
1: This, that was one of my
0: favorite jokes <laughs> in the movie, is that like memory of Patrick and his unborn child with his wife at home or whatever right and then later on when franco died it's like franco this movie is for you and for your girlfriend and your
1: unborn child i was like holy shit man they're playing this up this is so funny but that's kind of the dark humor that runs throughout Mm -hmm. this film there's a line man i'm so glad they say it in the moment it's really funny but it's not supposed to be funny at all given the circumstances But that's one of those refrains I like throughout the film. I think the second one, too, is how ridiculous it is. Like, every time he has a murder that's extended out where he goes to dump it, he's just, like, haphazardly just dumping it off into the canal. But the reveal is like, wow, there's a lot of of motherfuckers down there. (laughs) Jesus. And he's bitching at them because they're not quick enough to cover. I'm like, what are you talking about right now? This is your work, dude. Yo. Yeah. They did a good job. Even when he's commenting on the, I know I'm you know, backtracking, mm-hmm. but the immigrants, you see in the concrete that he's
0: fucking with, <laughs> yeah. you see
1: like hands and stuff. Right. It's not the first time he's done
0: this. No. That scene is just wow all over the place because he's talking about killing the Arab guys and fe- bearing them facing Mecca. But it's also like he's using this concrete to cover his misdeeds while commenting on the fact that it's just going to crumble apart anyway.
1: Right. That's his thing, man. But it's played up because it is dark, comedic, and fucked up. <laughs> All in the same go. Oh. I think we're back where uh, Patrick gets killed, And they oh, go to right. lose for the first time. I we'll also wanted
0: drinks. to yeah. uh, just point out the suburban couple having no money but just a bunch of credit cards. <laughs>
1: yeah. Everything they say. The old people does. have money. Young kids are in debt or young Mm -hmm. couples are in debt. And it's another social commentary. It makes sense. That was one of those booms of the credit card industry in the 80s and 90s. Buy now, pay later. Mm -hmm. He makes a good point. And I know it's a fucked up thing to say. But when they're in that pub, he talks about Benoit that is. And he likes it to the media. He says, you know, take example. There's this dentist and this other whatever the guy was, janitorial, whatever, worker. They get killed. But who gets the headline? He says, it's the dentist. So what I do, he says, I got to go after the small fish because it doesn't create any ripples and Mm -hmm. it goes unknown. He says, because once you start chasing after the big names, he's like, if you kill a whale, you know. If you kill a whale, you get Greenpeace
0: and Jacques Cousteau. If you kill a bunch of sardines, you get a canning subsidy.
1: Right. And it's like, "Mm, he makes a solid point.
0: (laughs) That was one of those statements where I was like, "Um, maybe... It feels almost like a jab at certain government and politicians and certain dealings and that
1: sort of thing. I totally agree with that. Oh, I got something interesting to say, too. Now that I'm thinking about who these people are, I want to save it to the end because this okay. is so great. All right. Anyway, yeah, that I thought that was interesting because the next kind of refrain that he gets in response to him talking about picking off small fry and fish and this matter, and the guy's like, so you're scared to go after this? It's like, no. Are you not listening to me? (laughs) So what do they do? He goes to the burbs. But before he does, well, I say not before he does, while they're there, while they're parked and they picked out the house Mm -hmm. and they're in the car drinking beer, when that little girl walks by. Oh, yeah. Whoa. If you didn't get sleepweight, camp? Man, no shit. I was just thinking, though, think about what we already talked about earlier, his sentiments toward women. Right. And if that wasn't, obvious here you go
0: yeah what was his comment she'll be sucking dick like her mama in, in 10, 10 years. years
1: yeah he's like she don't even know what the color of her dick looks like yeah I'm like wow even the dude in the back seat, I thought was kind of funny like, they cue to him he's like bruh <laughs> right <laughs> bruh now's not the time for that yo so yeah I mean his comments go into that and then when they do enter the home it starts off with him like punching the mom yeah and, She's spazzing. Then he goes into the bathroom, clobbers a guy against the mirror, bashes his head, and then snaps the neck. And then you see the kid.
0: When he's made, he's doing
1: this, like,
0: oh, you see how I did that? It was just like this movie, right? Except except for this neck snap. I looked it up They too. didn't do that.
1: I looked up the movie he was talking about, and every comment they're making, whether it's film related, what have you, there is a relation to something in the real world. Mm-hmm. There is these connections, and I that's like that's another really interesting commentary as well. Anyhow, yeah, they go chasing after that kid. It turns comedic because it's like, ah, they're chasing after a kid. But then it goes dark. Yeah. But,
0: dude, the kid hitting him in the nuts was so good. It was
1: pretty funny, yeah. Kid bites him, hits him in the nuts.
0: His inability to capture a kid at all. It's pretty funny. That's like, yeah, that's why he doesn't go after the suburbs, man. He's like, look, he's like, why don't I kill kids? Obviously because I suck at it. You guys just watched how this happened. Hello. (laughs)
1: why we go after these old people's he's like also there's no money to be made but you guys watched what just happened like hello yeah did i not answer your question for you oh back up just a brief moment all right we're still in the house but let's back up just a few moments before we let's jump in the car he also makes commentary or ask these guys about homosexuals in the show business industry right and i'm like wow that's i mean yes there are that's obvious but the that's not what he's doing.
0: No. No, he's like, are you in
1: right. like, a new game? Right. Are problem you sure? Because I saw you
0: guys the other day talking and, and really? Okay.
1: That says a lot more about you than it does about us. Because you're the one, you're the only person talking about it right now, dude.
0: Yeah. So you're like, so dude's misogynistic, homophobic, racist, maybe into kids. I don't know. Because <laughs> well, also yeah,
1: considering what he said.
0: Well, in the way he talked about the gal that he taught violin or flute or whatever. Well, because Valerie plays the flute, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Valerie that he was talking about when he talked about that whole story of somebody who is out making a, a living and shit, right?
1: Right. I don't know if it was her specifically, but he does make mention. And they're like, what did you do? He's like, I, I quit my instrument. He's like, what did you do, take the piano? He's like, no, the blunderbuss.
0: Yeah. And he thought it was a lot funnier than it was. Yo, yeah.
1: <laughs> because, I mean, he's not wrong because he had the fucking gun in there. Right. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a, kind of a double entendre is what mm-hmm. he's doing. Yeah, it does mean the gun, but he's also talking about his dick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But the way he even described her early
0: on was kind of creepy. I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. what were you doing with that girl?
1: I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> all right. So they do capture the kid. Going back to what we were saying earlier in the house and all that stuff, the chase—they do capture the kid, snuffs out the kid. I don't know if you want to get super into detail, but that's what It's happens. okay; you can still see the kid breathing. Afterwards. I mean, yeah, it's not. This is not real. I mean, come on, <laughs> this is not what we're here for. But the point is, is yeah, they suffocate the kid. But what really happens is now the guys are physically involved because I think it's Remi who helps hold the kid down while he's suffocating the kid. Right so now, they're very complicit with what's going on. I mean, if filming's not <laughs> now that you're involved physically and stuff like that.
0: See, that was the thing. Them being involved later on didn't shock me as much because they had already helped him move the Black Knight Watchman.
1: Right, and that—that that, that was
0: too. the one that shocked me. I was That's like, "Oh point. shit!" Like he's not even oh. going to touch it, and he's just going to make them do it.
1: Yeah, because of what he says about the yeah. Watchman too. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to touch him because of AIDS. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> Fucking Christ, guy. Green monkeys? Yeah, he went there.
1: (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah, he went there.
0: Dude, I saw at least, like, two descriptions of this movie where they described Ben as starting off cool and turning evil. And I'm like, starting off cool, like, for what, like, two minutes before he starts throwing on, like
1: all of the terribleness that he is.
0: Yeah, it's like an onion.
1: You're you starting to get the layers peeled off. That's all that's happening. Yeah, that first
0: layer only takes two minutes to get off. He's cool for maybe the shot montage.
1: Yeah, that's about it.
0: <laughs> and then he starts getting into the misogyny, and two scenes
1: later, he's getting into the racism. I got a, an interesting question to ask you. We're almost, yeah. we're almost to this point, all right? We already said the kid was snuffed out. The very next thing that happens is the second guy, Franco, gets snuffed out because they were back at that hideout, and they run into Giovanni, right? Right. All right. So this is also where they run into the film crew. My second time watching it, which is, if you count my first viewing way back in, like, 2008, mm-hmm. 9, whatever, I was like, man, I, I forgot a bunch of this shit. But what excited me was when they did bump into that film crew. I was like, oh, my God, this is a super meta right now. Are they going to just, like— include these guys into their group now but no what they were doing which is what spelled out he's like what are they filming with like tape So what are we doing with film he's like oh fuck it <laughs> And then well, yeah because he, he's like
0: well because at that point they had already expressed that they were starting to run out of money again yeah exactly and so they're like let's just use their shit look it looks nice right it's big yours isn't that babe
1: right 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 and it's like no that's not the point we're using film yeah <laughs> like oh shit shit all right Doof, doof. Yeah. There was somebody else I listened to that Wait, made so a good film point. versus tape. That's another commentary competition technology. within the industry. Yeah. Not only that, not only in that respect, but because you have a rival hitman, it appears, or, you know, a syndicate family, whatever, documenting this guy while they're doing the same shit. It's like, hold on, that's our competition. We can't have them doing the same shit that we're doing. So we're going to snuff these guys out because if we're both doing it, it's going to seem like we're hacky.
0: Yeah, I feel like dude said, like, yeah, dude dies, occupational hazard. But it still doesn't sound like it's something that happens often. Right. Right. Like, yeah, people die at sawmills. But, like, (laughs) I've worked at one. Most members of my family have worked at a mill for a combined total of probably over, like, 40 years now. That's like between all of them. And I don't think any of them have ever seen somebody die at a mill, but it happens. It does Everyone happen. knows it's an occupational hazard, right? So I think most people, if they were in this line of business and ran into that other film crew, it'd probably be kind of awkward, but they'd go their separate ways. They had the <laughs> unfortunateness of running into narcissistic ass fucking Benoit who thinks the show should only be about him
1: center of attention. And what's also clever slash manipulative is how, because in response to Franco, who just got snuffed out, he gives the gun to Ben, who winds up shooting. Mm-hmm. Or not Ben, excuse me. He gives the gun to Remy. Remy. Yeah, who shoots the director. Mm-hmm. So it's like another critique or another way of getting these guys involved, even though they probably would get involved, but maybe not to that extent. You know, like the violent extent.
0: So if this movie's pointing a finger at The way those of us consume violence in entertainment versus what it's like to actually have violence happen to you. And we're kind of focusing in on Ben, who is demonstrably like a toxic creator of entertainment. Then this also all becomes a finger pointed back at the industry for people enabling fuckers like Harvey Weinstein.
1: Oh, no doubt. It really does. It. it It shows, I think, hypocrisy and how, like you were saying, toxic an industry really can be if it goes unchecked, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it does. It shows you. And, and the critique is, it's still prevalent. It's still poignant even now, you know, considering all the stuff that's happened in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, whatever. It's interesting, you know, because they're making this commentary all the way back then. Mm-hmm. As students, too. Uh, hello. Like, yeah. maybe we're just reading not, too much into this, but not just, we're more specific to US media, but media in general. Right. They kind of piggyback off each other because there's only a handful of corporations, I would imagine, not just here in the States, but globally that own media. You know, so there's going to be some very watered down shit, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So that's what I'm getting at. They're making critiques in their home country, but it's still, you know, relevant here.
0: And I'd also say that there's a certain patterns that no matter the industry, people who use their power in corrupt ways sort of fall into. So you yeah, can prop we're talking about movies, we're watching movies. Yeah. So we're tailoring it back to that. But I'm sure you can put all of this over top of like fucking corrupt ass executives and big yeah. business and shit. Power like, dynamic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, within relationships, job, mm-hmm. what? Ha- yeah, exactly. It's still there. Okay, this is where I wanted to ask you the question. Because right, after the shootout, and then after they kill that film crew, the next scene we have is Ben with his grandpa at the pub.
0: So did this remind you of a Serbian film?
1: Yes, but the question I had for you <laughs> is, man, I'm so glad I heard it, this last view. Because I was like, what the fuck? Was Did you hear what song was playing in the background? No. Dude, I'm so glad I heard it. (laughs) No shit. If anybody's watching this film, this is like around the 55-minute-ish mark. Okay. Between 55 minutes, 56 minutes. I know it's in that range. Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby is playing in the background at that pub. And I was like, am I imagining this shit? And I kept listening. It's like, no, it's definitely, you can hear it several times. That's amazing. I was like, wow, that is so fucking funny. But the story is interesting too, because it's the whole story is about his grandpa being a scam artist selling fake Bridget Bardot panties. Yeah. For like, what was it, 200 francs, which would be worth a thousand right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, did the guy who that you sold it to still, does he still do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, but it makes sense because think about his grandson.
0: Right. Manipulative. Well, and so why I said this reminds me of, Some of the things we talked about when we talked about a Serbian film is this is sort of that idea of, all right, they've already likened what they're doing to being entertainment in different ways through the theming of this movie, right? So people don't care if something's real or not. They just want to
1: think it's real. That's solid boy man. Yeah. Which I think that's an interesting critique, too, because what sometimes what you think—I'm not saying you, but, you know, the universal Mm -hmm. you— Is when you're watching something, how much of it is very, very raw what you're watching? Because I would say the majority of what you're watching is edited to skew a view, to tell a narrative. And it's easy to do. It's easy to manipulate. Reality TV
0: wasn't. Formally a thing at this point, like had they done the first seasons of real world
1: yet? I think the first season was like close. 92, 93, somewhere around there. But even then it wouldn't have been called
0: reality TV at this point. No, 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 the closest thing is mockumentaries or documentaries. Documentaries are supposed to be documenting real life. Good point. So they're essentially making fucking real life TV, right? I was going to say
1: the only thing I could think of that maybe predates some of that stuff would be like America's Most Wanted. Right. Which, you know, or cops, something like that. Because that's kind of like in the moment, real life shit. But yeah, the, basically like these different
0: serial killer film crews are essentially just making reality TV. Oh,
1: no, without a doubt. Without a doubt.
0: So we all know reality TV isn't real, but we want to think it's real. Yeah. We buy into it being real.
1: Right. And because that's our own sick little perversion of entertainment.
0: So even the people who view this are... <laughs> Or view what they were making in-universe.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, this is super fucking meta critique. Because even watching this film, you're already kind of guilty.
0: Well, and especially with the end, with the inference (laughs) of it being found footage. Yeah. Like, fuck.
1: (laughs) Like a snuff film, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's where, you know, we've already talked about it several times. When you think about the label horror, right? It's a huge encompassing umbrella. And that's something, as a casual fan, and this is not like like a hyper critique, but there's so much stuff that maybe not necessarily considered horror. Like, this would, for a lot of people, probably not consider. But because of its content, its critiques, the nature of it, uh, you know, like you already mentioned, if you can put Henry in that, if you can put the house that Jack built in that. Well, because,
0: like, I haven't even really touched on the fact that Benoit, a few different times throughout this movie, likens what he's doing to art.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And a lot of his scenes, in some way, he's trying to argue for what he's doing, I guess. Maybe not as blatantly as the house
1: that Jack built. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still there. Mm -hmm. It's still there. It's his own version of it. I mean, yeah.
0: Lars von Trier basically remade this movie in a few ways.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Here's something I didn't know until I read some trivia on this, but... Going to the third act, there's a scene where they're at the pub, and it seems like it's maybe around Christmas, And Benoit is ordering the guy's dead babies. Right. Dead baby boys, more specifically. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's fucked up. I mean, that's already fucked up name. But there's a real life story that this is kind of derived from. Okay. Oh, damn, this is fucked up. So I was reading, not that I have to say any names, but this is in reference to like a four-year-old kid that was found in France floating in a river similar to the olive where it it was tied up. Let's just put it that way. I was like, man, that's kind of fucked up that they would put that in there. But, I mean, in context and what they're doing and the implication and even talking about dead kids and all that other stuff, it's a weird way of putting that in this film. And it's kind of stylistic, too. Very stylish the way they show the shot of the little sugar cube with the olive Mm -hmm. tied to it floating to the top. It's like, oh, that's a cool shot. But it's so fucked up what they're doing. There
0: was a part of me that wants to try that drink, and there's a part of me that I'm like, fuck no, because I hate gin and
1: olives. Yeah, I was going to say, I am not big on olives. Like, I'll eat them if they're cooked, but in and of themselves, by themselves, I'm good.
0: I don't like really like gin about, either. Yeah, gin tastes like, too
1: much like pine and fucking furniture polish, man. Yeah. <laughs> Cleaning solution. So I was
0: like... I'm I wish I would try this just because they introduced it in this movie, but I know that I would hate it. Yeah, like, why too. am I going to put myself through this? Yeah. I'm not going to put myself yeah. through
1: this. I'll watch it. I'll watch you drink it. <laughs> I'll do that. All right. But right after that scene, it gets into the big bad scene. Cause they go out on the street. Benoit. <laughs> he's singing cinema cinema. Yeah. Which is good. It's funny. He gets the St. Nick hat and the beard. Then they go into the apartment and I'm like, what? Whose apartment? And that's where the scene happens. Like, whoa. But this is what has been said, is that the actress who played that part, she was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. The guys weren't because they didn't want to be nude. But, you know, because she was willing and she knew what they were doing. And, you know, I said it put them at ease so they could kind of, you know, play into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of funny what they were saying. They're like, yeah, we didn't want to show her dongs or not. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't blame them. Don't get me wrong. But the scene in itself is, like, really fucked up. It's really fucked up. Because no one is like, we shouldn't be doing this. It's like, no, they're like, all right. It's a very, very, very fucked up bonding that they're doing is what they're Mm -hmm. doing. But now, like I said, now they're in it 100% committed. They weren't already before. And then they black out. You get the morning. Yeah.
0: Which was kind of a weird, fun juxtaposition because it was one of the more fucked up, like, after killing gore shots that we've gotten to very
1: much reminded me of something like found, you know, what it also reminded me of, it reminded me a bit of some York boot grade stuff, mm, mm-hmm. like stylistically. Yeah. No. Like,
0: um, cause I also thought of, um, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So some of it didn't remind me of that coincidentally enough.
0: But then, like, when you pan over to Man. the guys, it's almost like they're just waking up from a fucking rager at a frat house.
1: Yeah, well, one dude's in a fucking dress. <laughs> it looks like one guy's passed out in a pool of, I want to say pool, like a tub of grossness. Mm-hmm. Like, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a gory scene. It's a morbid, macabre scene because you've got a woman disemboweled. Her husband or boyfriend lover is in the sink looks like maybe his throat slit or something. I don't Fucked know. Fucked up in some way. Yeah, he's killed. He's dead regardless. But yeah, to them, it's just like a rager they pulled last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. This is where I'm like, all right, Benoit has gotten so out of control with what is happening. His own ego, he's already mentioned he's narcissistic. All that stuff is because of what he did with Giovanni. He's inadvertently put, this is not his intention, but he's put his loved ones, quote unquote, in harm's way. Because now they're getting messages Mm, from that mm -hmm. guy's brother. And he's just kind of writing off. He's like, oh, they're Italians. Whatever. Nothing. Yo, so yeah. He's starting to really slip up. He's not being careful. This is kind of, yeah, like the house that Jack built where he's getting clumsy in his work. You know? It's very akin to that. But he's like wanting to box for some reason. And eventually (laughs) he gets KO'd, which is kind of funny. That was one-shotted. Yo, and he winds up in the hospital, and I know for some people they don't like that scene because I'm like, man, this might be one of the funniest scenes in the movie. That old fucking guy, he's all about shitting and singing. Oh yeah, and he's fucking with the nurse, and I'm like, this is so funny. This is so fucked up. What he's saying to her, you wouldn't be so mad if I didn't have a you know a hot load for you. <laughs> you like this? You'd be pissed if I wasn't producing too much. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, you know, he's not wrong. And he likes to sing about it. He doesn't get, he like, I got you a big one this <laughs>
0: time. That old man, dude, that was,
1: you know, I didn't know how long they yeah. were going to go
0: with it too. Because dude was just like, yeah, he likes to fucking sing and shit. That's all he does is sing shit.
1: What I think is funny too is the whole time, because, it, you know, his mom, Benoit, his mom and his grandpa are visiting him and they're talking about his injuries and all that shit. Is that the whole time they don't realize they're actually like, this film They think it's just, you know, them falling around, Mm -hmm. just getting, they think a lot of this shit's real that was happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so fucked up. And then they see this dude and they're like, what the fuck is going on right now? All right. They throw a surprise birthday party for Ben, like shortly after, because he gets out of the hospital and everything seems hunky dory. You know, they're having cake, some bubbly and they're giving him presents. But the whole time, that one dude's kind of like fucking with him. He's saying a little sly shit on the background during the party. Mm-hmm. And uh he gets that holster, and he's like, yeah, this is nice, man. He's like, yeah, I can do this me, number. Look,
0: look how easy this draw is. Look how easy this pop.
1: Yeah, there was a flash. I caught the, it. Was a flash, and you see the dude. You're like, damn. The gals have splatter on their face. Jenny gets off on it. Valerie's just like, Valerie knows that it's because the dude leaned over and talked to her. Not only that, but he makes a comment because uh, Benoit says something to the effect. He's like, yeah, we know about all the drugs that you take. He's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, especially the pill. So it was like a crude remark, Mm -hmm. a sexualized remark. You don't say that about my woman. (laughs) Yo, he he dust homeboy. And like I said, Jenny, she starts calling him sir. She's like, I don't know. It's just you moved me. (laughs) I was like, damn, all right. (laughs) So uh, that was more because Remy's like, I don't want to, I don't, don't want to eat one anymore. He's like, yeah, let me just get some bubbly. And they give him the next present is the seagull. I don't know if that's supposed to be a metaphor for something or symbolic of something. I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe I'm lost in translation with the Belgians, but. Maybe it's just the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, I it think that's probably more just like absurd. for the shock value. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> you just dusted this dude. we just keep. All right, here we go. All right. Anywho. This is where they dispose or try to dispose of the body. And that's when the canal bed is like dried up. Right. And all the bodies are exposed. And eventually it gets to a part where you can see Ben is trying to abduct, you know, snuff out a postman, but he fucks up mm-hmm. and he's watching it on that editing machine. And he's talking to the guys, to the crew. He's like, you know, if you guys really were helping me, if you were really a colleagues, you would have helped me out here. And then, it just goes to him being arrested and, you know, all that stuff. His mom comes to visit him. He gets the call from Remy saying that he's out. He escaped. Meet me where we first met. Well, and then there was. Then the spiral starts to kind of happen.
0: That was another thing, though, with his mom coming to visit him was that earlier on, his mom was talking about one of his killings.
1: Yeah. And he, she's yeah, like, in the paper.
0: if somebody did that to one of my kids, I'm judge, jury and executioner. Like, it's over there. I'm ending right. up. And then the it turns out, and then it turns out that her son is the killer and she's not even willing to believe it. Right.
1: And see, so, yeah, I think that's the clever part of probably not telling her what they were doing because the reaction wouldn't have been the same. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine too, like the explanation after all that said and been done is like, you know, it's just a movie. <laughs> it's just a movie. I didn't really do all that mm-hmm. shit. It's just a movie. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry I didn't tell you in advance, but I wouldn't have got the same response. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a fucked up way of doing that. But I think that's another way. Like you said, it's a good point of of the critique. It's until it affects you, how do you respond to it? Hers, it was the complete inverse. And there it is. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. You know, anyhow, this leads to them escaping, meeting up. Valerie doesn't show up. And then, yeah, we start to find out what happens to her because they go back to her apartment or home. Is so this she's one got time at band camp? One time at band camp. I was like, damn, that's fucked up. And the part I was saying earlier, okay, the most fucked up line to me in the entire film is when he's cleaning off the flute, and the dude is like, water's not good for flutes. <laughs> Think shit's good for scales? <laughs> <laughs> he should not have said that, but that was funny. It was fucked up. Guy was right. They were both right, but it's <laughs> like, God. Damn, And then right after that, he goes to phone his mom, apparently, and he goes back to their shop. Mm-hmm. And you don't see it. We don't know it. The only line that references it too is, like, she wasn't a musician. Broomstick. Yo. Yo. So it's, it's implied. This is my broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> That's his mom's biggie. <laughs> this is my broomstick. Jesus. Yo. So this is where... Ben and the guys, the camera crew, they go to the old hideout where Giovanni got snuffed out. And it seems like they're parting ways, you know, because they're like, what are you going to mm-hmm. do? Do you have any place to stay? It's like, uh, you know, whatever, I'll figure it out. But before I go, remember about the pigeons. And so he's going into that refrain there. He's trying to get them. Boom. Yep. He gets snuffed out, which is good. It's sudden. And then, not slowly, but in turn, the yeah, camera could yeah. get snuffed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. You see the camera fall, the last sound guy trying to make his exit, and he gets shot. And I think the last sounds you actually hear is the pigeons cooing, or the pigeon cooing. Yeah. Okay. And then that's that. And then that's that, yeah. That's the movie. That's the movies in a nutshell. But, dude, for, you know, three guys, yeah, students, this is their project. Not only was it a critique on, you know, like, how do you make a film without having money and have the movie be about that, (laughs) It's pretty interesting, man. It's a solid film. It's one, like I said, it's almost what, 30 years later? Yeah, almost. We're talking about it. It's very relevant. Man, it's a well done film. It belongs into those films we've mentioned earlier with. Absolutely. yeah, you know, likes so the Henrys and what have you. Even cannibal Holocaust and all that stuff, too. So for a black and white film, I'd put it up there. I know it was a question on the board. <laughs> That's right. I'd put this one up there. It's I don't know. So I would weird. say it was my favorite, but I wouldn't be bad if it was somebody's favorite. Right. Uh, Put it I that agree. way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. so I'm glad we got to do this one. It's the one that not necessarily gets talked about a lot. It is one that people are aware of, but I think it's not one it's necessarily. Criterion Collection. Like, I know that's how crazy man cuz it's one that shows up in and like a C17. Ext- we didn't talk about that. That's did we? a solid point. Yeah. So, that's another thing is you know, the rating boards. I know it got banned in like Ireland and uh, somewhere else, which is kind—I of, mean, it's kind of silly. I mean, I get it, but it's a fucking film. Anywho, highly recommend it. It's not as extreme. It does have some, you know, some pretty gnarly moments. But keep in mind, it's actors and actresses, and it's makeup and effects. You know, this is not real. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. It's a dark comedy. The guys who are involved talk about it. You can find interviews, which I did. It's pretty easy. It's on YouTube. But regardless. I really like it. You mentioned it. it's in the Criterion Film Collection for a reason. <laughs> yeah, fun film, man.
0: I agree. Really I like agree. It. We're back to having to figure out movies week by week, so we can't tell you what to watch
1: to get ready for next week, can we? No, but whatever it is, it's going to be fun. That's right.
0: But I am I'm don't really have else anything else to say on Man Bites Dog.
1: No, I was going to say, enjoy 420, even though it was last week, but enjoy it again. <laughs> That's right. We're recording the day before, so...
0: So we're enjoying. You guys know we enjoy. We got you. We got you. (laughs) But I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms out. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com